maybe some of this isn't what we think. Like, and so I actually went out and I was like, you know, I posed the question. I was like, hey, and I'm I, and I'm waiting for a response back, which might be able to tell you something. If I haven't got anything I can share, then it might mean that I can't or I won't and we won't. I was basically like, can you clarify on the others and the ancients? Mm. Do you hear that? Yeah, I mean. No answer. Yeah, exactly what my response is. So I tried, friends. I tried. Yeah. How are we doing, everybody? So, read our excerpt for the day. This one's pretty beautiful. They were gathered in the great hall, awash in the eerie glow of Everlights. Those in their seats were silent, as their leaders discussed which of those present would bear the mantle of the first light. They were the first and the last. Welcome, everyone, to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left ascender. I am Phoenix, a.k.a. Seymour. Join me in welcoming today's Pathfinders. We are joined by returning Pathfinders, Daedalus. Welcome in, Daedalus. Hey, everyone. And we've also got Faisal back, our favorite social bunny. What's up, people? <laughs> <laughs> and join me also in welcoming a new face and voice to the show, Half Tilt. How you doing, buddy? Thanks for having me. Yeah. We, uh, we do love bringing on new community members, and uh, Half Tilt's one of the newer community members here to the Ashes of Creation community. Some of us call Ashes fam, so much love, man, and welcome in. So in uh, in our fashion, in Pathfinder fashion, we're going to have Half Tilt do an intro and kind of tell us a bit about him and uh, just kind of like what brought him here. What's your Ashes of Creation origin story, man? Like many of the newer people who have come into Ashes of Creation, I got to uh, put my hat off the Lazy Peon and that video he did to bring everyone in. I watched his video and I got really hyped and I saw Asman's reaction and then I saw Asman's interview with Steven and Summit and Shroud's interview with Steven. And at that point, that this was all in the matter of about two to three days. I watched all of this stuff at work and I was sold. I was sold on the game, not just what the game promised to be, but just hearing how Steven and the dev team talked about the game and how open they are and all this. I, I, I've, I've never heard of any, anything like that, how open they were with the community and everything uh, and inviting in uh, content creators and community feedback. So I, uh, I, I spent my 375 bucks, bought my pack. Can't wait for alpha two. And here we are. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, welcome nice. in. <laughs> I just saw something in chat too. Danny Dean said, "Your loyal, thorough, elite podcast." <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> Welcome in, everybody. So we do actually. Before I get too far in here, and before we dig in, I want to make sure I give a shout out to all all those who are joining us over on Ashes HQ, the the new home of this podcast, which you can check out for yourself online. We're adding new uh, new uh, videos and pages right now. The current set of new pages is actually a collections set of pages that actually kind of like we're collecting all the pets, all the mount skins, all that stuff, getting them all posted up there. So people have them kind of right on there, right on tap and ready for them to 
to kind of check out what's been there, what's coming, what's new, what they can't get anymore, unfortunately for some, but, <laughs> but, uh, with that being said, it is a community curated website and we've had a lot of people helping to contribute here lately and much love to you all. You've helped like immensely. Um, and each week I'm, I'm adding new pages, new features. So check it often. By the time we get to alpha one, the goal is to have it rocking. I mean, rocking for the community. So, uh, with that being said, I also want to shout out all of the, uh, Imperial flames here in this community, all those subscribers and Patreon supporters on YouTube, uh, here on Twitch, much love. You really do keep this community's flames burning strong. So I just want to say thank you to all of you that do that. Uh, it's not ever expected, but it is greatly appreciated. Um, so real quick, I'm going to read our first iTunes review. So with that being said, would definitely encourage anybody who wants to support this show to go to like give us a, a five-star rating if you feel like we're deserving of it. Hopefully you do. And if you do leave a comment like this person did on 8.30, I will probably read it. Same thing if you want to do a call in. You can do a call in to 1-539-664-6801. And the uh, five-star review said, um, I guess they didn't put their name. They said, first review with words. Okay, so I guess that's where their way of saying claiming first, but with words. <laughs> said they stayed true uh sim you never stopped when a lot of other people ended podcasting a lot of them uh coming back now but 100 respect for staying with it it meant a lot to some of us you and the pathfinders do the community right much love man much appreciation for that and so that i think what they're referring to is uh kind of like probably what we call the dark dark period there where uh things kind of went dark with the studio uh kind of in the fallout of uh of APOC and everything. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of creators weren't really creating. And so definitely appreciate that. We, we tried to keep it going. It wasn't always easy, but much love. Really appreciate that. That was a really great, really great comment to kind of leave us with. So, um, Hey, I guess we could kind of start talking a little bit about this month's cosmetics, which actually are pretty damn lit, man. These are probably my, favorite so far got them up here on screen for those of you watching uh but yeah favorites what's your thoughts i have some some takeaways but i'll let you guys just dig into it first um well they're definitely lit <laughs> uh I, I would have to say i do like the costumes uh i think in terms of like if i had to pick a favorite out of these i would say the costumes for sure I think we were talking about a, a little bit about this, you know, before stream. A little curious how the freehold skin is going to kind of fit in. What if there's any restrictions on that in terms of where you put it? Um, but other than that, I mean, I think, yeah, they're definitely, you know, continue to have good quality here with what they're showing. Good variety and, and definitely a lot of attention to detail. So I think another strong month in terms of content from the team. I really enjoy the boat cosmetic because it really looks like a radio ship. Like I, I if I ride this ship, I'm gonna pirate everybody on site. <laughs> you think yeah, you're gonna, I was gonna say the boat really stood out to me too. It's I, I, I wanna do a seafaring guild, a seafaring type uh player, so uh that I, I love that one. Faisal, do you say pirate? Yes. You said pirate everybody. Yes. That doesn't seem like a very bunny thing to do. 
honestly. I mean, I mean, you get to know them first, then you steal other things. This is how it works. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bunnies do tend to have, na- you know, little, you know, nasty teeth, right? Little evil teeth. <laughs> Not a bunny, a jackrabbit now. <laughs> jackrabbit. Yeah. Jack your goods. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I was about to say. A card or, or a ship jackrabbit. He's a Basil's a bad bunny. <laughs> Man, dude. Honestly, this this set, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna lead with a what do you all think? What does the fox say? But I didn't. I mean I kinda did, but not really. It, dude, these are really, really these are really badass. Honestly. I ended up taking the mage uh kind of robe outfit and I ended up using that over on Ashes HQ for the because uh, I've been using like con- the concept art for the the skins and and things like that uh, for some of the assets on the website currently, and uh, the Kalar I really didn't find any that I really was felt really good with, but this one felt like legit. It felt like it could totally fit like Kalar like fire mages. So I pulled that one and used it, and then of course all of these are up on on the HQ. But this is probably one of my favorites. I'd say. Uh, we actually were having some discussions on Wednesday around here. Um, I'll kind of explain a little bit more about what those conversations were about. I think I'm actually going to do this again on Wednesday too here on, on this channel. But last Wednesday just kind of had a, it was completely unplanned. I was doing my normal thing and then just had like uh, Bard Tick uh, and a few other people that were in the community just jump in discord. And we ended up like just chatting and came to realize that we were actually discussing a lot of things. We ended up touching on, the cosmetics and how lit they were. But aside from that, we also were talking about like uh, kind of a little bit of the lore kind of that we heard of this, like uh, this throne here, which we'll go through and I'll kind of give you a little bit more of an explanation on what these are. So this theme for this month's was heat and harmony. And um, <clears throat> of course these cosmetics, if you're interested in getting them, they'll be there until October 7th. So they went up on the 2nd of September. The boots are called Perdition's Path. The uh, Embered Kit, uh, which I'm assuming is a little uh, like double-tailed uh, kind of fox kit is what it kind of is to me. And then you've got like the Fox of Pyre, which is the mount. Um, you've got the Sunscorch Rement, which is the uh, the outfit I talked about. The, the kind of like, it just looks legit like Fire Mage stuff, right? And then the Flame Fin Frigate, which is the ship. And that thing looks really, really cool. Uh, and then the Blazing Gate. Now, the Blazing Gate was interesting uh, specifically because <clears throat> it mentions, and I'm going to read through this excerpt real quick. We know this could be flavor text. I know, I know, I know, I know. Right. But sometimes I read through these flavor text bits and I'm like, you know, you kind of can't help but wonder. So I'm just going to kind of read on this is one of the ones we talked about. Um, so the description for it is here atop the scathing mountain do earth and fire meet, creating a gate from which the inferno itself manifests. Few phenomena can match the unshakable fury of the earth, sweeping away all things in a wave of ash and fire. Yet from the terrible display, life arises anew. In equal measure, the flame gives as much as it takes. One need only look to the brilliant star that greets each morning to see this truth. So the whole thing of rebirth now, this was interesting because we had some discussion and speculation around things like, well, you know, could this somehow tie into some element of the the Dunes and Keldorf lore? 
Um, and then we kind of like we strayed off and started talking about that flame tree. The very one you all can see right here on this video in the background that we started seeing an animated version of from back during APOC. It was on the website back then, yeah? And that tree, we had some like ideas like, well, we've wondered what that tree is. And, you know, some people have been bringing up like, yo, what if that's the uh, the goddess of creation, the Phoenix avatar that is actually, you know, either that's like something to do with its death or rebirth or something because there's like a mound underneath it and all the concept art and the tree we've seen a lot. We've seen that someone actually mentioned something very interesting that kind of made me go, woo. And it was, you remember the uh, older Ashes of Creation logo, the Phoenix, how the, how the base of the Phoenix actually had uh, these, like, it looked like roots of a tree to it. So it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty fun idea, but. <laughs> these... Go on ahead. Yeah, I want to hear what your thoughts are, and we'll get back to you. Well, I, I, I'm just starting to dive into a lot of the lore now, but it feels like the world life tree. And maybe that is how, in the roots, is how she feeds life to the world. And when it goes up in flames, everything is reborn. The seed seeds anew, or the tree seeds anew and rebirths everything. Was When I saw this, I was like, the first thing that went through my head is, this is the tree of life. Yeah. I mean, it has like the dropping or the dripping kind of almost like lava or like fire kind of thing going on. And I mean, if it's like it's seeding new life or something like that, I mean, you can see it like just dripping in. And even in one of the concept pieces, I'll see if I can I'll see if I can find it in a second. But I was looking through what what phase of what what social bunny? What are you laughing about? I just I just I just had a thought. What if what if like they did it as a cult? thing like to to re rebirth them like hey we came to this tree blood to the tree god and they just uh, threw fire at the tree and it's supposed to be the, the life and creation of the world hmm. maybe it's just, just a sacrificial lamb <laughs> you don't know <laughs> Ooh, and psychophobic actually said some trees need a forest fire to crack seeds so they can germinate irl that's a that's true. Very That's interesting true. Yeah. point. Nice. Lore Seeker Cash says the tree experiences life and death, but the roots remain and bring it to life again. Interesting, right? It's 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 a pretty interesting idea. Uh, and we were all having this discussion on Wednesday. <laughs> and I was and we had we also had a little bit of discussion around the others and the ancients, which we've heard about a lot in the lore of Ashes of Creation and found found that there's like uh I'm a little confused man I I kind of always had thought of the others as being like the gods the three gods that broke away kind of taught the ways of the essence and then kind of like corrupted you know things but Bartik myself and several others who were here that day started bouncing ideas around and we started I I mean I was having like some mind-blowing moments I was like wait a minute hold on a second Maybe some of this isn't what we think. Like, and so I actually went out and I was like, you know, I posed the question. I was like, hey, and I'm I, and I'm waiting for a response back, which might be able to tell you something. If I haven't got anything I can share, then it might mean that I can't or I won't and we won't. I was basically like, can you clarify on the others and the ancients? Mm. Do you hear that? Yeah, I mean, 
No answer. Yeah, exactly what my response is. So I tried, friends. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, man. you know Steven is going to keep that one pretty close. He wants you to discover <laughs> that crap. Of course. So. And I was like, we, we might have hit on something interesting there, friends. So anyway, put your thinker hats on. Feel free to join us again on Wednesday. We're going to dig into some more lore discussion points. But uh, it's just something interesting to think about. I've always been very fascinated by the tree. We've been using it for a while here. We used it for many episodes, uh, went away from using it, uh, and then kind of brought it back for, for, for a little while. It's making a short return until, uh, well to be continued i guess you'll see in the future but i'm working on some things um so i wanted to actually actually go ahead and we'll dig in that was not really planned on the discussion board for today but these these cosmetics man that they're probably some of my favorite thus far and definitely 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 am curious and especially with some of the like the cosmetics i know some of it's flavor text but sometimes you go and you read like the apoc quests that were there and sometimes you read like the cosmetic stuff and sometimes you read some of these things and you're like, yeah, okay, it's flavor text. But then other times you're kind of going, yeah, some of this sounds like you're maybe mentioning a future ability for a class. Sometimes it sounds like, you know, you're talking about a forge we might actually visit. It's interesting to find out as we move forward, what ends up becoming, you know, put in the world, what's canon and what's just kind of fun to talk about. So I guess we'll start with some of our topics for the day, friends, and we'll start with one from Mitchell here, and we may or may not hit all of these, but it's one of those weeks, man, where we're not getting a whole lot. The last time they had the live stream, they talked about updating uh, Unreal, and so uh, as a result of that, things have been a little more quiet. Uh, that usually to me means that they're working pretty hard. Um, so with that being said, that gives us plenty of time to you know, theory craft, speculate, have some fun discussions around all kinds of stuff and things, and what better place to start? with bringing some of the community's topics onto the show, because I love doing that. It's a community-based show, isn't it? So uh, Mitchell said he was talking about for claiming the castles. Now, we had talked about that last time on the show. Said, mm. didn't think that the boss fight, uh, said, with the boss fight, it shouldn't just be, uh, you know, the numbers. It should also incorporate uh, things like threat. Uh, so if your guild was a, has a bunch of healers and tanks, you're not hindered compared to a PvP focus guild that would have a lot more dps characters in it um another stat uh that could be good to add to the calculation is holding boss aggro if not at least rewarding the threat system they have shown to be on certain skills so yeah i definitely think that's something that i agree with i think taking into consideration a lot of the other mechanics is very important and i know that we talked about this here but what, what are some of your thoughts around that one till i know that we you weren't here last time so What's I, I, you go first. You go. I, I was talking about this the other day on stream as well. Um, just the whole thing around being able to zerg the boss or potentially zerg the boss down when you get multiple groups in there um, or the DPS side of it as well. And, and I didn't think about it from Mitchell's standpoint there of incorporating um, threat as kind of a, a metric to be calculated into the final decision. But in terms of DPS, I, that makes perfect sense because your group makeups are going to be very different. Um, your, your group size could actually be very different as well. And you might even have randoms in there assaulting as well because my understanding is you're going to have a, a siege boss like that 
uh, or raid boss even after the initial takedown of the castle during um, any siege attempt. So I, I think it's a good idea to factor in other metrics. I also, we talked a lot about having other side objectives to do. And I think Steven mentioned that during that the dev update this month about mm-hmm. having other missions and other things to do that would factor into that final decision as well. So even if you don't get the first tag and maybe the other team does 50% DPS on their first tag, which is more than what they would typically need by the current standard. Um, if you did most of the side objectives to clear the way to the boss, and then the other team just comes in and hits the boss right behind you, that you get credit for all that work that you did. And that is factored into the decision of who gets basically the controlling rights of the castle. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Basil, what were your thoughts? I, I feel like you were about uh, to... Like... I did. I didn't really understand how tank aggro can be calculated because, like, if you think about it, if a PVP standpoint ever happened while the boss fight is happening, like, you won't have most of your tanks even aggroing boss. Like, uh, they would be basically trying to defend their healers and fighters the most most parts, uh, either by aggroing the boss or aggroing players. So, would the calculation be? the aggro in total from the pvp and the boss or are you just going to calculate the boss alone because like i like if if that fight is concluded and the enemy team wins and the aggro is is more they they would technically win (laughs) Uh, at the end of the day so i don't know like it's kind of it's it's hard to calculate be really really hard to program especially on the healer standpoint right because healers are healing just general damage and is that damage caused by pvp is it caused by the boss you don't know Mm -hmm. you know threat applied to another character shouldn't necessarily count as threat applied to the boss from a tank or dps standpoint but raid healing Mm is gonna throw that number just out the window yep yeah I'm actually was that reminded me of another discussion point. Someone had actually talked about that. It's not really on the list of things to kind of chat about today, but it might be worth bringing up as uh, you know, when you're talking about the uh, open world PVP element to this game, uh, one thing someone I, I remember not too long ago had brought up was like, Hey Sam, what do you, uh, what do you think uh, in terms of whenever people are, out in the world and like you have somebody who's healing and you have like those heals like you know ex- for example like uh the template for example where you like place a he- like a radius on the ground um sim- similar to like a hail of arrows or something but you know you place this template on the ground and then healing happens in that place or it could happen all around you and then maybe that heals like an, uh, a friendly but that friendly is tagged for pvp right like maybe they're they're running around and they've been engaging in pvp like how much of that do we you know, what specific types of heals should contribute to flagging the person who's a healer. Um, and something that I've been wondering too about like some of your, what are your all's thoughts around that? Yeah, I think that's tricky. Um, because mm-hmm. I know like in other games of experiences, basically if you heal a flag player, regardless of whether or not they're in your group, you get flagged as well. So right. I think that that opens up um, a choice that needs to be made. I think it, AOE has always been problematic in in those situations, not only from an AOE's you know DPS perspective, but also AOE healing. 
So I'd be interested to see how they handle that is if you, you know, if that heel doesn't hit somebody unless they're flagging themselves um, or, or sorry, the healer has to flag themselves in order to heal flag players as a choice versus it just automatically happening. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what the uh, dev team's take is on that. I honestly, I don't know what would make more sense. Um, because sometimes you know, like, I don't want to get involved in PVP, but I still want to heal my party. Yeah. There, you know, there's got to be, I think it'll be a little, you know, it'll be difficult for them not to necessarily make that a choice. Um, you know, and if somebody is trying to heal a flag player or doesn't want to heal a flag player and they throw an AOE out there, I just think it just, they don't get credit for healing that player. I don't know, because, like, if, if you think of, like, a group versus group battle, like, you don't just throw an AoE heal out of the blue. Like, right. there's, there's, a constant, there's a conscious decision that's being made for you to heal your party. It's either PvE or PvP. So mm -hmm. once that group engages, if, if both scenario happens, like, in a castle siege, he knows that he's going to be flagged one way or another. But is it going to be the normal flagging system or is it going to be different? Because technically everybody inside the castle is already flagged. Or like when you attack a caravan. True. Or, or uh, actually those are the two options so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean the caravan makes sense, right? Because you're already making a choice up front to either attack or defend. So I think mm -hmm. that should be a definitely an auto flag. And then a castle siege situation, I think that maybe where the discussion is going is more along the lines of before another player guild takes over that castle, you're fighting NPCs, you know, should the mechanics work differently there? I mean, I could go either way. I mean, I don't generally play healer classes, so this is, you know, probably not within my wheelhouse to really talk about, but still I would be interested to see what, you know, people that heal, you know, as kind of a primary would be, you know, would feel would be fair in a situation where you're fighting against AI versus players. Remember, somebody brought this up in a Q&A in one of the last, I think last month's dev discussion, uh, Theater Elf in chat touched mm -hmm. on it as well, that you will, uh... as a healer, you will have a checkbox of whether or not you want to heal flagged people or not. Um, and if you're doing like AOE damage or something like that, like let's say you're just PVE, grouping up a bunch of monsters to AOE them down as a mage or something. Um, if you're not flagged and someone comes running into that, they just won't receive damage from that. Unless you're it, but if you're flagged or you choose to flag, then you will do damage to them and have to defend yourself. I like that idea. There's less opportunity mm. for trolling there. Exactly, because that's True. been a big concern True. in previous games I've played, and it was <laughs> it made me quit the game real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a lot, a lot to do with like the design too, because like if you you know if it's a template ability and you place it on the ground, that's a choice. Uh, but then you have like skills, for example, like one one skill in the Elder Scrolls Online, for example, that would have work, work would work horribly. An open world PvP uh, would be would be like the breath of what's it called breath of life or something like that. The it has two morphs or whatever, but essentially like the 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 heal is like it'll heal you can you can do it a couple ways. But one example is like it'll heal yourself and another closest ally. 
So like you're just gonna like you don't choose any part of that. It just you know it's a, it's kind of like a it's it's, it's uh it's framed similarly to like a burst heal, but you can but it also hits like another person too. So um, but yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Like I, I think that if it, if when it co- what it comes down to is if it's a template sort of thing, uh, or you've got to actually like target someone, whether that be through action or tab target, uh, then you know that's that's a choice. I think if, if, it, if it's a choice, it should count. I don't think uh, AOEs, I always feel like if it's AOEs, like just like not really, because a lot of AOEs, unless there is an element of choice to it, which is rare, like you, you other than just placing it. Um, but that's a little tricky, I think, because, you know, if there's like three people there and like two people there and you're trying to heal your friends, but not the, the people that are maybe, you know, like you're trying to heal your friends that aren't engaging in PvP because they're killing, they're fighting like a wolf or something. And then you got two other people in okay. the same vicinity that are, uh, you know, fighting like uh, Dweedle 1 and 2 over there, then that's, you know, you don't want that to count. You like that reference? You're welcome. <laughs> well played. If it's a chain heal or something that bounces yeah. and yeah. outside of the first target, it's not in your control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so this one's an interesting one we've actually touched on a bit before. Uh, and it's uh, Dennis on YouTube uh, had posted the comment. We'll be really impressed if they can actually make the sieges a smooth experience FPS wise. So say we all, especially if Steven has promised 250 versus 250 siege fights, though I'm a bit skeptical since large companies with a lot of more financial resources haven't been able to make large scale PVP fights a smooth experience. How can a kickstarted MMO with a 30, 30 million plus cash base re- realize that kind of goal? I don't know. I'm not going to give an answer to that. I want to see what you all think about that first. Number one, make good choices, and we can already see, right? <laughs> we can already see what they've done with that. I mean, granted, it was you know pretty taxing to the community that you know really wanted the game out ASAP. Mm-hmm. But Steven and the team made a decision, you know, shortly after kind of the APOC situation that their back end couldn't handle what they really wanted to do, and they scrapped it and started over. Now, hopefully, right. They don't have another one of those situations where they have to make that decision. But I think I'm I'm not going to say, you know, whether or not I think they're going to make it or not with the goal. I mean, it's an aspirational goal, right, at the end of the day. But I think their thought process is they want a strong foundation. And a lot of the AAA companies I've seen are more about getting to a release date than necessarily getting to a stable quality state they continue to build on what you know what we talked about in other podcasts right build on you know a foundation that isn't exactly you know solid in some respects and they just continue to to compound that and going back and doing anything means they need to do kind of a total break it apart and start over so i would say i think there's more potential i lean less on the skeptical side on this versus a large company because i know steven's very focused um and he doesn't necessarily have a publisher breathing down his neck to say you know get this out the door i mean ultimately he wants to get it out the door but he wants to get it in a good quality state so um yeah i i expect that they're gonna do their darndest to make sure they can maintain that 250 versus 250 siege i think that would be fantastic if they do do it um and i don't see them cutting corners to 
just make a release date and not do something that they're proud of. I also very much get the impression that this isn't something that they would openly talk about if they didn't truly believe that they could achieve it. And, you know, it's not just about how much money you throw at it, but like you said, make good decisions, work smarter, not harder. They have the lead guys from planet side, like what chips mentioning who I personally never played the game, but my understanding is they're some of the best in the business when it comes to large scale battles um, done well. And they've talked about some of their design approaches by, um, reducing character models down to a more basic thing and not having all of the the artwork and um, cosmetics being displayed at the time. I expect like spells and abilities will probably be dialed down a little bit automatically. And it'll partly be dependent on people's systems as well. But I, I, I believe that they if they didn't believe they could achieve this, they wouldn't be talking about it right now. They wouldn't be advertising it as a thing. Mm-hmm. So... Here's what I'm going to say about this. So, uh, yeah, like Woodchip said in chat about Planet Side, they, they have some of the people that are the best at this that are on the team. So, there's that. Uh, to speak to the part on like how they're going to do it, they've actually talked about some things that they've been contemplative about incorporating in, or really maybe not having as part of the dynamic. For example, like skill effects being tuned down, uh, like armor and stuff like that being maybe defaulted in some manner i mean those are things that they've talked about i think about some examples of like the elder scrolls online for example right what causes what what allows people to win in that one unfortunately here in its current state from my experience more so than when the game launches actually that you know people run around and they zerg okay people zerging isn't really the thing i consider a problem but they're zerging with some pretty crazy spell effects with a lot of people in the same area so if you can find a way to like actually tune that down to where things are really minimal and it's not, you know what I mean? Then, then aside from like it actually being about what the player is doing with their own graphic settings, I mean, things like that are going to contribute. I mean, think about some of the games who where the armor is just like illuminated and flashy and glowing, and you've got to account for all that, and you can't really tune all of that down in some games. Like, so these features being able to be tuned down, whether it's by the player or within game itself, is like a big one. And also, when you think about Kickstarter, the main thing is. I wouldn't really consider this a kickstarted game per se. I know it went to Kickstarter, um, but it was it's I think that's the frame of reference that that is better to like actually reframe because Steven already had a lot of money to put into this, right? He took it to Kickstarter mm-hmm. so the community could be more engaged in the project, have more of a stake in its development in some ways, uh, help further fund it so that they could incorporate other elements that maybe they weren't planning to. Um and, and kind of bring it to Kickstarter and, and extra funding, of course, as a, as a benefit. But, I mean, there's no one actually knows. It's a big question mark. No one knows how much Steven actually has or has actually put into this. Not really. Like, that's that's behind the scenes, right? But he's clearly got enough. And so I go back to what I said before. They're operating in this middle area, this this gray area, if you want to consider it that. We're on the spectrum of a truly, you know, indie startup kind of studio thing versus a triple A studio. Well, you have like advantages and disadvantages across that spectrum. But when you're in the middle, like you don't have a board telling you you've got to do things a certain way, but you've got the money that you may not have if you're down there as just a maybe strictly kickstart a game. And I think this ties into people's fears of things that could happen like Chronicles of Valeria. I know 
but it's an example that we can reference for a really good reason. It was funded okay, significantly. So yeah. I think I think we could just deduct one A from the triple A and make it a double A studio. It's fine. <laughs> double A? Like Double A studio. It's I'm gonna fine. find a way. <laughs> In the middle, you know? That was pretty good, man. I like that was, that was pretty good. But anyway, let's move on. Well, let me check chat, man. Let me make sure we incorporate chat here. I, I hate to make that reference because I, I really have had. <laughs> Sim, no naming the game that shall not be named. That's fair. Only thing bad to come to mind. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to finish that. That's how things happen. Um. Plant side is a perfect example of crazy effects in a confined area going off on a massive scale. There are constant explosions popping off, aircraft flying, FPS shooting all at once under impressive performance. Good reference point, psychophobic. Much appreciated, man. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to another question here. And this one's kind of to expand. Um, I mean, I kind of want to expand on this question, but uh, Dirty had said, <laughs> what type of paths do you think would offer more player agency in weapons, skills, and crafting lines compared to other MMORPGs. It also has some interesting possibilities. Uh, if we could expand on things like a legendary quest line that could offer unique rewards with unique procs for successful adventure, I should mention, I'm only grabbing the end of that, that I could not, I'm not reading all of that here. It was a very large statement. You can go check out the last Pathfinder episode if you want to get in on that. It was pretty it was pretty detailed. You might need to take some notes. I'm not knocking it. It was very well thought out. But I'm not going to read it cuz a lot of people would probably get lost in me reading it to be honest. It's something you almost got to break down one at a time. It's worth looking at. I'm not going to read it here though. But I go more to the point of what's going to give players more player agency. What what do you all think in terms of like skills? What do you mean by fair agency? Choice. Sure. Okay. Options, yeah. So we're talking more about crafting than necessarily skill points? I guess it's kind of both, right? It's um, both. It's whatever flavor you want to, like, whatever angle you'd like to take on this that really kind of, like, uh, okay. anyway, preference. Um, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Yeah, preference. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, I'll take the crafting piece because that's kind of something I'm really interested in. I would really like to see just being able to make a lot of different choices and, and customize what you're doing and it not be an RNG play. I mean, that's one of the most frustrating things that I have seen in MMOs where you don't necessarily have that. I mean, I think, you know, there has been developer reaction to that and maybe putting in, you know, certain materials that help you control the outcome but i would definitely like to see the more you specialize um you know giving yourself more options that you can choose as a crafter as far as like weapons and skills i mean i think they've already done a good job at least saying hey here's our starting point in the skill tree is you've got passives you've got active skills and then you've got a weapon tree right so if you really want to invest more points as a player into a weapon tree you have that choice now what those choices are that's kind of yet to be seen but it, it is i think it is a good testament to their continued vision around player agency and giving choice so that's where i would say um would in my opinion that would be the right path is giving players meaningful choices in in those three areas 
I like how the the talent trees, the skill trees, are the, where the passives and the active skills are separated, and it's not all incorporated into one. So that you could really pursue a specific type of play style that way. Um, you could even focus on a certain weapon. It would be neat to see things like on maybe on a weapon skill tree where you can focus on chance to proc an additional swing with your with your weapon. I feel like from the combat that we saw in this last dev update, that that would be really huge, especially in AOE type scenarios, because you hit everything in the path. Um, chance to proc bleeds and other um, things like that. Leave the critical uh, effect to something different. But yeah, you know, I, I like where that's going. I want to read these uh, comments from chat too before we kind of forget them. There, I thought this was a really good one. That Troll had said too, kind of in, in reference to that, Troll told us here in chat, there's such a clear path for the direction they are going in for Ashes. Uh, game, for example, like New World didn't seem to have determining leadership, making strong decisions. Uh, uh, Michael DeMage, I hope I got that right. This was a really good one right here. Player choice is about being able to approach the MMO world in different ways. Crafters, merchants, soldiers, politics, etc. Choose how you approach the world. And before that, um, had said, where is it? Ah, I think a lot of AAAs have slowly divested from MMOs, world mechanics, while pushed players to sharding and instances. That's a good. That's a really good reference point. I like that a lot. <clears throat> so, okay, this might be a bit of a theory craft question, but this one could be fun to talk about too, and. This one was from, I hope I'm saying this right, friend. Uh, I saw a couple more comments from you on YouTube. I'm going to definitely get to. They were really good. Uh, Strangingness. Uh, hey, some more random theory craft. I want your thoughts on, and this is for all of us, actually, friends. We would all give our thoughts on here. It says, an idea I have for the fighter class. We know that the classes so far only have armor passives, like one armor passives. We've talked about this before. Uh, but since the fighter is a master of weapons in different styles, I think it'd make sense to allow to choose a passive for both heavy and medium armor examples. Uh, heavy pieces increasing damage reduction by percentages, uh, medium increasing, uh, sorry, increasing damage uh, by 1%. So basically for, for medium, uh, it was like, what, 0.5. For heavy, it's like 1. And then secondly, I feel like light armor wouldn't feel right. And it wouldn't make sense even though uh, even with an arcane subclass because you're a fighter at once. So I don't know if I'd really say on this particular point from my perspective, I would really care to have like changing those like specifically like the numbers. I think they're already well outlined. I think I'd be more interested in, in when they get further in development to see uh, along the way if I'm wearing, let's say as an example, this isn't canon or anything like that. But mm. For example, let's say five pieces of gear is all we can have. It's not, but let's say it is. So let's say that you got the max bonus at five pieces, uh, but along the way you didn't, you know, get that extra. We'll like look at it like set bonuses, for example. You see that a lot in games. Like you get certain stats along the way, but when you get to the last one, if you have the last piece, you get something just a little bit. <laughs> uh, you get an additional perk. I'm gonna say something extra perky, but you know, you get that extra perk you only get if you had the five pieces on yeah um the elder scrolls online does this with different gear types anybody can wear anything and in ashes you could wear anything right it's going to be interesting to see what 
that we get aside from the passives that you get for certain classes it's gonna be interesting to see what the bonuses are along the way uh before i feel like i could really answer that i i don't know that i would say taking the option to wear light away would really make sense if if part of the game's uh like uh focal point is that you can do any weapon or any of that now some are going to be more ideal obviously um but when i look at with that the idea of like maybe medium or heavy being more beneficial i mean that would be cool i just don't know how much more to say about it until we actually have more on that what do you all think i mean the way that you could look at it is basically like you're looking at light armor like cloth for example that could like increase your stealth maybe capabilities or um what's it called like, dodge, reduce, dodge uh, yeah dodge yeah or evasion that that's pretty much how you would, you would look at it uh medium armor would be um in between of heavy and heavy is going to be like the most uh block chance that you can get from arrow shots to to melee weapons uh but it's gonna be a really big target to magic damage because they're they're immobile usually um or they have low mobility and uh leather armor is just a mix of both light and heavy yeah i mean i would i think it would be pretty cool um to kind of have like you were saying like set bonuses for you know different i, I would say classes of gear um, I, I mean, I, I would definitely agree with you, Faisal, that, you know, light armor could have more, like, you know, agility benefits in, in the sense, like, you know, yeah, dodge, evasion, etc. Um, I, I do like the idea, you know, and I'm expecting them to expand upon this and as more testing happens, but they're always talking about risk and reward and having trade-offs, so I would like to see... Yeah. You know, in addition to there being bonuses, right, there also being drawbacks. So maybe you're, you know, in heavy armor, you are more protected, but your movement speed is slower, right? Or your attack speed is slower um, and vice versa, right? In light armor, you might be very agile and you might have a movement speed bonus, but you're, you know, you're going to take maybe X percent more damage, right? If you do get hit. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of just... Um, you know, giving people options, and I agree with you, Sim. You know, you shouldn't count any choice out. Granted, they did mention some choices will will be more ideal, but I hope they—I don't want to say rethink that, but I hope they, you know, um, evolve that into more there being trade-offs. So you can maybe stack certain bonuses, but also you're going to um, have some counterbalance with something that might be a negative effect and i don't want to say like but you know maybe it, there's a little bit of a drawback there but if it all really depends on your play style mm -hmm. and what you want to do so if you want to be uh, a class that's much more mobile but maybe glass cannony then you're gonna build something that way and you might you know get a lot of bursts but if you know somebody hones in on you you're down so i, I would like having those types of choices um, and I think that would really, um, I think, make the game fun in terms of not only the theory craft, but, you know, just experimenting with different play styles when you actually play the game. Okay, mm -hmm. adding to that, well, what, what do you think if people mixed armor? Like having, uh, what's it called, the uh, cloth pants, heavy chest, uh, medium arms, and a helmet uh, that's also medium. 
how how would they get the the passes? Or does it? Uh, do you think all of the passes only needs to be a set, a complete set, in order to work? Yeah. I would like it to be incremental. I I think I I like Sim's idea of maybe like a five piece having maybe like a more I don't want to say impactful, but maybe a, a a bigger bonus. But there might still be again, depending on your play style, some ways to mix and match that might also give some benefit it's there's also some trade-off right because you're not going to get that you know number you know number five skill but you might have enough of that plus whatever your skill or weapon choices are that it makes it still viable and again i know this probably is going to be a really nightmare-ish to balance but it would be interesting to see kind of if they could do something modular with the armor um you know, combination of armor and other things, right? Rings and necklaces and so on. But you still kind of have an idea where you can really craft what your character is wearing and what they can do and and make, you know, choices that you feel will, you know, uh, will help your play style or at least Mm -hmm. give you, you know, what you're looking for in terms of play style. We've talked a lot too about having... The crafters anyway at least having the ability to put different skills on armor so you could you know you might be restricted on what types of skills can go on what um levels of armor but that might promote like hey i've got a really amazing skill for my fighter class on these plate gauntlets i'm gonna put plate gauntlets on but maybe i want the extra damage and potential movement speed bonus that i have from wearing leather armor elsewhere on my character but i'm willing to not have that full leather sheet because of this extra skill I get or skill advance uh, bonus that I get to want mm-hmm. maybe one of my main abilities, main nuking ability or something. Yeah. And I think this, this goes really well in terms of the sequence and that last question in this one, right. Again, talking about how to make things interesting, this to me would make it really interesting because it still gives you options and variety to play how you want. Um, but at the same time, it's it's really focused on what your choices are versus whatever the meta might be, right? And that's what I'm hoping, based on everything the team has been saying, uh, you know, definitely uh, Jeff in specific, was we always want the meta to be something that is a constantly moving target. We never want something to be like king forever, right, at the end of the day. I think giving that kind of flexibility and being able for a player to focus so much towards a certain play style or a certain build uh, is going to allow that to happen because you're going to get a lot of different play styles coming out and everybody's going to be effective in their own way with it. So I want to actually pull from uh, Michael Mage there too. Uh, was actually talking about, I'm going to make sure I get this. Yeah. So with the two subclass selection, there may be a ton of different ways to approach it. So even showing off the skill modifiers really should uh, really show that uh, any two people, with the same class may not even seem to like to have the same class, right? And so we take and expand upon that, kind of look at Tilt, what he's talking about with uh, being able to assign. See, and with the, the crafting situation is something I'm curious about. Because when they're talking about the uh, being able to essentially assign different types of skills or abilities to, you know, in stats on armor, like, is it giving us skills? Is it modifying a skill, which then kind of gives us a new skill? Um, is it some additional 
you know, in this, and this is where I go to things like augmentation, which is why I'm, I'm tying into both what Tilt and, uh, and, um, and Michael and Chatter are saying, and that's essentially looking at how's the augmentation system going to work, right? Because we've only got this very basic idea right now off of some, what I'm going to say are crude examples, not bad, just crude in comparison to what the polished version will be in the future when the game launches. But when you look at augmentation, and this is where we go with our next question, and I think it's going to be a determining factor in, in that end game. I do want to see being able to use all of these different armor types. Sure, I might. What would make it really, what would make theory crafting very interesting to me is if these, you know, risk reward choices, because you've talked about before. I remember somebody one time was like, could I get one shot? And they were like, yes. And there were people are like, oh, no, you shouldn't be able to get one shot. Look. If you if you don't wear the right setting, like if homies running around wearing some white armor, some some common stuff and things that they picked up off of a mob and they never really equipped like their uncommon rare epic, you know, gear um, and somebody that's running around in all epic gear um, comes over and <laughs> takes a metaphorical well in game mace to the face. You're down. You're done. You're done, dude. You might get one tapped. I hate to say it, but you might. But that's making bad choices. That is making bad choices. And that's very <laughs> different from from like min-maxing, theory crafting, even even the, the basic theory crafting of looking at different gear types. Now in Elder Scrolls Online, you can wear different gear. You know, you can decide yeah. I'm gonna get maybe a two set if I wear two pieces, and then I could wear five pieces here. <laughs> you get and you get uh you know a five set bonus because of this these like uh modifiers that are added to the uh to the gear that you're wearing but i think the augmentation system is what could really make those choices of mixing gear shine so speaking about the augmentation system and i'm gonna read this so lots of theory crafting and chatting about the skills and augments lately what are some ideas you have had about a fun approach to making augmentation system unique and interesting. So it isn't quite so similar to things that we've seen before. Uh, and how do we like avoid another one and the same approach to classes and skill design? What do you think y'all? I mean, I haven't played a lot of ESO, but I would say, I mean, we've talked about, you know, the morph system, right in, in that game. So I would say I would like augmentation to not necessarily be like basic. I, I want them to be something where it actually changes the nature of the skill or it, you know, changes a mechanic of a skill. I think they talked about this before, right? Is, you know, like you said, a crude example, but if I had a charge and I put, you know, and I was a, I don't know, a mage secondary as, as a fighter, I would be able to teleport and, instantly get to somebody and charge them versus taking you know a second or two so i would like to kind of see things like that on kind of a grander scale like being able to maybe take something and instead of you know being a, a targeted spell make it kind of aoe or make it cone or you know change maybe a a, a bleed like you know i think uh tilt you were talking about like bleed effects and other things so it would be interesting to see things like that where you can really mix and match and again keep it focused on what your play style would be um as opposed to something more generic yeah i, I like to keep them in a, in a realm of where they they seem to make sense 
Um, but at the same time, it yeah, it needs to it needs to make some the skill feel special. It needs to feel like you've adopted that class, right? If if I shoot uh, a power shot with my ranger and I'm a mage secondary and I've adopted like ice element or something, I want to see that thing f- turn into an icicle, you know. Um, I want it to be chilled and slow and not be able to get to me in time while I I just kind of work my way down it. It'll be neat to see with how many different things you can apply that way, especially with mage being multi-element. Do you pick one element or can you have multiple elements across different skills? Um, You know, maybe if you augment it with a cleric now, all of a sudden you can shoot an ally with a certain arrow. And if you hit an ally, it'll heal them. Great. So I can just hmm. I can just imagine someone taking mage as a secondary class and use the blink blink ability as a ranger just to headshot everybody inside. <laughs> <laughs> Dead. <laughs> oh man! So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna re- read an uh, interaction that's been happening in chat and actually tilt the idea of like shooting an arrow to heal like that that kind of like modifier or something with augmentation. Actually, it's something I've chat about with. Uh, people when i think we did our theory crafting over theory crafting kind of skill discussion uh over the ranger which it would be it would be really cool i'd love to see stuff like that uh, i think we were talking about like solbo at one point too which would be interesting to see how that played out but um psychophobic a guilty of mine said i might disagree with that being a bad choice i see it in terms of risk versus reward if i want to be a glass cannon it would be a hit and run type of build um, it's an alpha strike gameplay style. And I said, class cannon is different from going full dweedle though. And he said, true. And I said, LOL. And he said, and I said, basically you go glass cannon, I'll bait him, you pop him. And then, uh, he said, my man, of course, you know, the bro, the bro talk, but we get down to a very important point here from Cheryl, which is full dweedle is more glass pea shooter. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. My friend. Yep. Yes. I do agree. Yeah, you think you're good, but you forgot you brought your sword to a <laughs> to a gunfight. And... <laughs> Man, I I 100 percent am looking forward to the augmentation system. I would love to see them focus a lot more about re- refining that, and uh, I would say more so than maybe even the gear choices specifically. Um, I think I think the kind of uh, bread and butter to gearing would be great. You know, I, I would much rather see crafters have agency over things like adding skills or modifiers than uh, some things I've seen where you just get like these set bonuses. Cause when you attach that to so many different, like, and I don't mean like set bonuses, I mean like practical, like passive abilities and stuff that we're talking about versus uh, like stuff you might've seen in, in class uh, 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 gear, like for example, World of Warcraft class sets. Like I never really thought those were really ridiculous or anything like that. But some of the set bonuses for a game like in Elder Scrolls Online, some of those are like extremely powerful. And so in that game specifically, there are so many gear sets out now, like between the crafted gear sets, uh, the ones that you can farm uh, from overworld uh, bosses or maybe delves or public dungeons, stuff like that, versus like the instance content and the raids. Oh man, there's just so many pieces of gear with these like, bonuses that now you've got to balance aside from the the classes and they're they're like you know yeah like what chip said oh yeah so overdid it i think there was a point where i felt like they were doing really good I, now, honestly i i do agree with the wood chip like there's a lot of shit that they've added 
where if they, ju- if they could have just kept it simple and went as is, I think they should be fine. Uh, like, when it came, came to armor, like, they've added, like, the enchanted armor, I think. It was content well, well, with the DLCs, basically. What do you mean? Uh, like if you uh, like if you play vanilla uh, Elder Scrolls Online, you're basically able to get really nice armor. It's basically basic armor like any other RPG. But once they added the uh, the DLCs, like wow. you had extra types of armor that just what? The really strong <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so like you could have just kept it simple, man. See, <laughs> rather than complicated. You know, I think the main issue I actually had it had with it isn't even necessarily like that. I didn't think some of that stuff was cool. Uh, it was mm-hmm. more along the lines of like, that's a lot for the devs to have to like manage, man. Yeah. Like a lot. I mean, it's it was great. I loved it in the early days. But man, that's mm-hmm. a lot to have to manage. Aside from all the dungeons, the raids, the classes and the changes you're making there. I mean, they went and reworked all the race, racial, like passives and stuff like that too. It was man, it's a lot. It's a lot. But keep it simple, man. I think some some simplicity could be what we could see in like the augmentation system. Uh, You know, kind of they they talk a lot about like they've talked about modular kind of design and kind of having like you know these like. uh, you know, like these wheels that you can kind of turn, you can kind of, and I, I feel like that is a big piece of the game design in general, not just with like the nodes, uh, the classes, like the crafting, the animal husbandry, which is something they've even referenced. Originally, they talked about the gear, like your gear and the design for that. We actually saw that modular design um, kind of happening in APOC a bit too, if you played it, if anybody ever played it then. Um, but I think I think that does tie into the keeping it simple. I'm hoping I'm hoping the augmentation system is really the, where the good stuff is at for theory crafters. Yeah, I agree. I think a really good approach to it, for my thought anyway, is that your build should be you should be able to choose the skills and augments that you want to accentuate those skills to come up with a build, and then you find the gear that supports that rather than you get the, all the gear and because sets can be very meta driving i've played a lot of diablo yeah. 3 and they're very concerning in that way so you get the gear and now it's like okay well now i am forced to run these skills to accentuate this gear so that i'm comp- competitive and relevant and yeah. that is a that that very much counteracts the the player agency and just having everybody build things the way, the way they want so i think skills need to be the first big thing to be refined then augments like uh, your secondary class augment. Um, and then from there, the gear comes in to supplement that. I think, is, I hope is how it, it's approached. And the way the crafting wheel works, being able to assign stats according to the type of class you're building for and what the build that you're trying to achieve is, is a huge, huge part of that. Yeah, I like that idea very much. I, I would hope that they go in that direction because my concern is definitely that and kind of seeing what's happened in other mmos that i've played it's always very gear focused i mean not to belabor the point about the you know trial of the paladin but in in, uh, every expansion you know from day one you know a paladin is only as good as their gear right what i've seen Mm -hmm. in world of warcraft and that's very um 
discouraging to me as a player. Um, and it's great when I finally get there, but then the you know it always resets in a new expansion. So I'm I'm hoping they go the route exactly what you said. Tilt is you start off with skills and then you're kind of building out, but you still have kind of baseline idea of you know what your choices are going to be to be viable, and then you're just kind of improving upon that as you get more mm -hmm. gear, but not not it be. The gear is the only reason you're, you know, and having certain gear pieces that give you certain bonuses are the only way you're more viable, you do more damage, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was like looking over, uh, you know, some of the like discussion around the augmentation system. And I, I, I think that, it, you know, when it, you come down to like some of the core pillars of the game, if they maintain the focus that trade can have a bigger impact on the gear than just like the gear drops themselves, you know, especially in like, cause crafting is going to be as relevant as some of the best gear in the game. Yes. Right. Most of your gear is going to be for crafting. Yeah. It like, isn't going to be yeah. a lot of yeah. dropped gear. Yep. Game. Yeah. Like you get the gatherables from, from going and running things and then you got to put people to work and then the uniqueness, exactly. you know, what is it? I said, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that ties into the pillar of like the the financial piece, right? Of like caravans and trade, you know, between people and within their nodes and metropolises and all of that. I mean, we even tie that into like the economic position of like the NPC caravans that we talked about last time that bring the money and that you know. So now you're like really talking about all these elements in the game where. The risk versus reward factor. I mean, it even it even translates beyond like the nodes and the the interaction between people, and you tie that into the crafting itself that we talked about like a while back, which was the, uh, you know, you could only go so far and you could like break stuff like when you're <laughs> when you're when you're working on gear. So yeah, I would I would love to see that actually tie in, not so much to like repairing or whatever gear, but more into like maybe that tuning gear. That would be really cool. Um, anyway, a couple more comments before we get done today. I did say I was going to try to wind this one down around an hour. And, uh, yo, I'm really excited about things around here. You know why? You know why? Summer is almost over. Can I express <laughs> how excited I am that summer is almost over? Anybody else hear me? Yeah, hear me, brother. Summer never Francisco. ends here. Dude, I'm so ready to never ends here. <laughs> Getting kind of low. Yeah, so here we go. <laughs> so Kaoto <laughs> said uh this is more of a community oriented thing related to the the show and the and the people here and maybe just creators in general says I've been thinking a lot about what would make a new MMO great just the fact that you're always open to new ideas from anyone in the community is awesome I think that was actually directed towards me said it makes it so that when someone has a really good idea it gets up the ranks and to the creators of the game a synergy between the players and the creators real teamwork i personally think that when developing a game the best you can do is show as much as you can of the game and let people play and try the trial version so i appreciate that i think that's a really really awesome comment i would probably go a little bit off of that and say that not just creators but the players the people that are the community all of you are equally and and just as important and you're also much more of a majority than the creators are i'm just putting that out there so quite frankly 
Steven and the team watch the forums. They watch Discord. They pay attention to Twitter. And I see people all the time on Twitter where like Ashes of Creation will respond to something that someone tweeted. And they don't know this person. And that person, you know, people all the time going, wow, that's really cool that you're responding to people. Like they they make a point to respond to people, to check, you know, to get community feedback. So your voice is as important. All of your voices are just as important as the next person. So, you know, don't be afraid to go to the forums. Don't be afraid to go communicate and like share your thoughts in the forums and stuff like that. Um, while it's great and it's here, like we're just we're just the people that try to help take it up there, you know. So we're just one one piece of that. Um, with that being said, though, when it comes time to test the game, while it's great and fun to actually go and explore the world and stuff, it's really important to provide feedback. So I'm just putting that out there. Feedback, feedback, feedback. A lot of people play games. I've been guilty of it before. And they go and they're like, oh, that was fun. And then they're gone, right? They don't go to the forums. They don't submit. Here were some bugs I had. You know, here are some things that I want to share from my experience. Like that is super important to the game's development. Mm -hmm. But a counterpoint to that statement that I'm going to kind of pull from here is when we're talking about sharing and showcasing, maybe not a direct counterpoint, but it does come from Woodchip here. And it's more of a question. Do you think Steven is giving too much info to other developers or studios who might be giving ideas to competitors to take advantage of? I'm going to let you all kind of answer on that one before I say anything. Uh, I mean, I don't think so. I think they're, they have been pretty protective of like some of the, you know, choices they're making behind the scenes. And that's really where it may, you know, I think it would really matter. I mean, there's at some level, right. You, you have to balance what you're communicating to your community and where your competitors might hear it. But mm -hmm. I don't think in general, he's, he's giving that much information uh, you know, especially about like some of the things that I think he keeps saying and the team keeps saying, you know, we're showing you just a slice of what we're doing. There's a lot of other things we're working on that, you know, we don't want to share because we want them to not only be surprises to the community, right? But it's also things that I think would make the game even more unique. So I'm going to say, no, I don't think Steven and the team are sharing um, too much info. I think they're sharing enough um, at the moment. I would like them to share more, but that's just me. Um, but I would, I would rather they just take their time and, and do a, you know, the job that they feel proud of. So I would say no. I don't think they are. It, it, I think it's definitely a double-edged sword. You know, I mean, you want to give enough to people to keep hype going, to keep them interested and actively engaged in providing feedback, providing ideas, and. Um, constructive criticism to the ideas and thoughts that they've proposed but yeah there is of course a risk of exposing too much now i don't think they have to that point i don't think they've gone into high level detail about what it is they're doing and how they're going to execute it. it's like hey i need to get this wagon off the ground so it can move easier i'm going to put something underneath it and no they're not showing the wheel right um so, so I, I, I think from that standpoint, it's okay. And when the game comes out, you're, everybody's going to see what it's all about anyway. And yeah, if it's a success, they're going to try and copy it. Success has always tried to copy. Mimicry is the most sincere form of flattery, right? Um, so I, I, I think I think they're in a good position with all of this right now. I don't think that they've exposed too much to other developers, especially considering how far along they are. And the fact that they've got some of the very best in the business 
doing all of this right now just because they're showing it off somebody else might come and try and make a clone of it it's going to be a clone it's not going to be a, a carbon copy it's not going to be as good i i do agree with half uh in in in, in the business world basically when ashes is basically an innovator right well once it reaches to a beta stage that's when you might see other people trying to the exact same thing because they got all the core mechanics and all the like core ideas so uh you might see clones of it but will it be the same no it won't because most mmos don't have that original feel of what ashes is really doing like it's, it's basically how you would compare uh iphone to the rest of the world well when when they introduced smartphones to people, it blew everybody's mind. Well, when they introduced every other phone, uh, that's that's when they didn't get as attached to the first thing that happened. So, um, but is it is it a dangerous game that they're playing? Of course, because it really depends on the amount of information that they give us. And I think they gave us the appropriate amounts because they did say that they want to be transparent at the same time. So hopefully they, they give us the right amount of info while being also secretive about their future plans. <laughs> Man, you know, uh... I, I don't I think they're doing pretty good so far, but I will say I've actually seen a, a it's really it's really disappointing when I see another studio try to take something and imitate it and showcase it or you know what I mean when they're like in development too it it actually puts a, a really sour taste in my mouth if I'm gonna be really honest and here lately the, there were a, there were a few other games several other games and I'm not gonna name anything really I'm not but I'm noticing more and more I feel like it seems as if people are just trying to be the next big, big thing instead of just being true to their own vision. Like they had this mission statement and it, and like I said, I'm not going to name any names, but it's, it's more common than not now. It really is. And I'm going to, if I'm going to be, call me a fanboy if you want to. Okay. I've been very critical of this game in the past. Anybody who's been around long enough knows that I've been critical and I've had very constructive criticism. It wasn't always fun to have to do it. I didn't even feel like I had to do it, but I wanted to like actually convey where other people in the community were at at the time. And it wasn't positive. So I've communicated that I'm there to advocate. I feel like that's my, that's my role as, as a person in the community, not that I'm entitled just to advocate. And there's a big difference. And one of the things I see a lot lately with other games that are in development is having a vision, having a mission statement, and then they step away from it. I can think of three right now that I thought positively of that I'm finding myself now actually not having a very positive view of them. And it sucks because some I actually felt very, very hopeful for. And we're not talking like over the past six months or so. I'm talking like a year and a half or so of actually thinking that they potentially in their own cutout could do something. And then it's just, you know, it's like, well, all of a sudden you see them trying to copy what someone else is doing or they get a taste of money. And so now they're trying to make and they're trying to focus on how much money they could get from people when the game's not even out. And Ashes of Creation is the only one. And I'm sorry, it's the only one I've seen 
that has been in development alongside these others that have been in development that has not deviated from it. You can look at APOC for whatever you want, but when we're talking specifically about the MMO, they're the only one that has not done that. And that is like, that seals the freaking deal. And here lately, with some of the stuff that I've seen happening, I feel really good about that, man. Like, it feels really good to know that I placed faith in this game. And so far, so far, I feel very, very, very encouraged. There was a period where I wasn't sure, where I even, like, felt a little hesitant and unsure of, of whether or not, like, maybe it was the right choice. But redemption, man, and they're they're bringing it home, and uh, I I am very hopeful of the future, as a result. So, amen. With that being said, friends, <laughs> I just Word. had to say it, man. I've, I've reflected this week. I've talked about about this with a lot of people, and I just felt like I I wanted to put that here. I I think it could be good for people to hear that are new. So, Absolutely. yeah. With that being said, friends, we are about that. We're getting there because Faisal, you see getting kind of low he just dipped even lower to get into that time <laughs> friends much love to all of you that have joined us week after week this is our 90th episode and it's been called if you build it and intrepid has been building it and more and more people are coming to the community so if you're new here in the community i encourage you to to contribute, whether it's here, like all of you in chat, who it's been a pleasure to do this show with for 90 episodes and we're and the community's growing. And I encourage you to, to bring your comments to the show, go, go contribute on the bot. If you don't make it, join our discord, uh, discord.gg forward slash Simorg S I M U R G H. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at ashes pathfinder. You can leave us a uh, mail to read on the show ashes pathfinders at gmail you can call in and leave a, a message for the show at one five three nine six six four six eight oh one and join us here every sunday 5 p.m cdt for the live show pathfinders it's been a pleasure as always we are getting close to the episode 100 and uh before we sign off i'm gonna let we'll start with our our newest pathfinder to the show half tilt let everybody know your domain where you reign from where they can find you friend if they want to check you out well, I stream three days a week on Twitch, uh, Twitch slash twitch.tv slash half gamer. I'm on YouTube and under half gamer as well. And you can find me on Twitter at half underscore tilt. Thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a blast. Absolutely, man. Really enjoyed the contribution today. And, uh, Daedalus, how about yourself? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash Ashen Herald. And Faisal. You guys can find me at Faisal108 on Twitch and Bago108 at Twitter. Outstanding. It's been a pleasure. Remember, if you're here, you are a Pathfinder. If you contribute, you're a Pathfinder, whether on the show, watching in chat, or on our Discord. doesn't matter where you're at. You help carry the torch that keeps the flame lit for the Ashes of Creation. So soon, friends, we will see you again on Sunday. Have a great week. Much love, as always. I'll see you next time. Have a time. good week, everyone. Take care, Bye. everyone. Stay safe. <laughs>